welcome to the November 22nd, 22 edition of Digging Out. I'm your host, Claudia Shambaugh, as we collectively clear the debris from the last four days, four weeks, four months, four decades. My first segment, Orange County Supervisor for the Second District, Katrina Foley, offers important details about the Orange County Board of Supervisors redistricting process underway in advance of the Orange County Board of Supervisors hearing today. This is it. It's November 22nd at 1 p.m. at the County Administration Hall. All districts, including the one in which Irvine would be drawn, are affected in this mapping exercise. In the second segment, UCI Earth System Science undergraduate student Dinora Hernandez will speak for the local Sunshine activists who will rally at the Irvine City Hall tomorrow at the council meeting about how the Orange County Power Authority figures into the energy mix in the Climate Action Municipal Projects. We'll be back with Katrina Foley after this music break. Welcome back to the show. My first guest today is Orange County Supervisor Katrina Foley, who won the vacated seat in the second district of the Board of Supervisors in a special election this last March 9th, 2021. Although the second district includes Fountain Valley, Huntington Beach, Cypress, La Palma, Rossmore, Costa Mesa, Newport Beach, Stanton, Buena Park, Los Alamitos, Seal Beach, as I'm wanting to say, my standard refrain is that the reach of this Board of Supervisor office extends throughout the county of 3.31 and growing 3.31 million constituents. Today is a timely go at the important process of mapping the Orange County Board of Supervisors five districts after the release of the 2020 U.S. Census. Supervisor Foley previously served on the Costa Mesa City Council as council member or mayor for 14 years, as well a one four-year term on the Newport Mesa Unified School District. She's president of her law practice, the Foley Group, dealing in contract negotiations for artists, athletes, civil business and employment litigation and nonprofit compliance matters. Her previous appointments on local board and agency posts include Travel Costa Mesa, the Tow Road Corridor Agency Boards, Newport Mesa Arts Commission, Bike and Walkability Committee, Pension and Finance Advisory and Special Districts Committee, and the Orange County Fair, the Redevelopment Agency and City Council liaison to the following, the Orange County Fair, Newport Mesa Unified School District, Youth and Government Program, Child Care and Youth Services, Cultural Arts Committee, and Santa Ana River Trail Blue Ribbon Committee. She chaired the Coast Community College Measure M Oversight Committee. She comes to us today from her home in Costa Mesa on a Sunday, the day before this broadcast. Welcome to Digging Out and back to Radio KUCI Supervisor Katrina Foley. Thank you. It's so great to be here. And thank you for continuing to provide this excellent service for the listeners uh, at UCI and, and beyond. Well, thank you. We're folks going to squeeze into this short session together the important details about the redistricting process underway in which it, it will do it in a kind of a cliff notes, if you will. And in advance of the Board of Supervisor hearing on these maps, November 22nd, 1 p.m. So I'm just going to take a leaf out of Supervisor Foley's 
County Board Supervisor Page, I am quoting her, I consider public transparency one of my top priorities, end of quote, on her supervisor tab. So taking this leaf out, I'm since seeing you serve the spring of 2021, it's an important kind of portfolio to bring to where we've all been watching some very interesting exercises with the challenges underway in local government within the last 20 plus months. So transparency is a big thing going on with this whole mapping process. So in the lead up to the likely the final hearing tomorrow or today at the broadcast, the redistricting, could you, Supervisor Foley, talk to us about the process? We're looking at requirements coming from Assembly Bill 849, the Fair Maps Act, as well as the Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Right. So transparency in government is really uh, critical, especially right now at this moment in time in America, not just in Orange County. And I will say that our county staff worked very hard to create a transparent and educational, informative redistricting process. We hosted events, workshops in every district. In our district, we actually took it a step further. We taped our workshop and we shared it live on Facebook and we tried to encourage people to participate. And what I think I observed over the course of the six months was that it's just such a confusing um, process and people don't really understand how it impacts them personally until it's too late. So what happened was there was a, a group that got together and they had community meetings and they all got together and they supported a map. This was called map five. This was what I would call the community map. It's the group was the people's redistricting group. And map five would have, I think, done a great job to create fair and equitable representation for Orange County residents moving into the future, acknowledging the change in demographics, the increased population in Irvine, the need to have a Voting Rights Act district in the corridor, the central Orange County, Santa Ana, Anaheim, Orange area, and also our growing Asian Pacific Islander communities and an influence district there on the more Western part of the county. So we ended up getting eight maps only from the community. And then the board really didn't know what were we going to do once we got these eight maps, because it's all vested in the discretion of the chairman. So we get to- And the, the chairman is- Andrew Doe representing District 1. Currently, correct. And his term ends in 2024. He's termed out. Now, he's been there the longest of anyone because he was chief of staff for now Assemblywoman Janet Nguyen. So he's been in the building on the fifth floor for, I don't know, I think it's like 16 years. So what happened was all of a sudden we were going to now be required to use the software that none of us were trained on prior to this moment on November 2nd, use the software 
and make edits to the eight proposed maps if we so chose. So that was a little unnerving because that was not ever mentioned in the process prior to November 2nd. And so for those who maybe weren't technologically savvy or didn't actually know how to do redistricting maps, which isn't exactly something people know, it only happens every 10 years, that created some obstacles. And, you know, our office, we ended up hiring someone to help us because we needed to know how to do it and do it correctly. And so we kept map five. We didn't make any changes to map five. We thought that map five was a good, fair, equal representative map that takes into consideration all of the criterion required by both the Federal Voting Rights Act and the California Fair Maps Act. And we made changes to maps two and four. Maps two and four both coincidentally drew a line at my block where I live to push my part of Costa Mesa where I live into Supervisor Doe's district, district one. Now, some might argue that that was intentional because that was a way to prevent me from running for re-election. Some might argue, well, you can't consider that because under the California Fair Maps Act, it says you can't take into consideration incumbency. But when you are taking into consideration drawing lines that are unique and not consistent with the historical context in order to have some partisan outcome, you can take that into consideration. And I believe that's what that was about, a partisan outcome determinant. And so here we are, we've now narrowed it down to two maps. We did that at the last meeting. You know, I opposed- Last Tuesday, yes. I opposed map 4C1 because it- moved Costa Mesa into District 1, and it would not allow the voters to decide again. It's only been six months I've been here, would not allow the voters to decide if they wanted me to stay. And it also, more importantly than me, because I'm only here for a short time, more importantly, the political gerrymandering that was done with Map 4C1 would cause a public policy outcome that is negative for Costa Mesa and for Newport Beach, because it would separate Costa Mesa from Newport when Costa Mesa and Newport have always had shared agreements, shared school district, share water district, share community college district, share parks and public services. It is unheard of that Newport Mesa is not connected together. And to cause those two cities, which are relatively small, to have to have two supervisors would create a lot of conflicts. And the airport is shared as well. And that's an important asset and an important entity in our county system because of all the concerns by residents that live under the airport. And also because of tourism. So there's a lot of reasons why Newport and Costa Mesa should continue to be together. And this is just all a political stunt to try to prevent me from running for re-election and to try to vest power in a, par- a partisan power in the chairman and others for 10 years 
in a way that does not reflect what's the changing demographics of Orange County. And some people may have been hearing from redistricting academics, analysts talking about cracking and packing. So this is a crack, right? For sure. I presented a map actually that, you know, some people didn't like it, but map 2A1 was, it wasn't my first choice. My first choice was map five and I've made that very clear. But as a backup map, map 2A1 was a map where it increased the API influence, what's called the CVAP district, to almost 40%. And the voting rights district, the Latino district, you have to be over 50%. So it's getting closer to that 50% threshold for an API district. And it also, these are supposed to be nonpartisan positions, right? So it really created a nonpartisan approach to governance. No one district other than that central Orange County district, the Latino minority majority district would have been with a registration of any political party at any high number. And you can't avoid it with the central district because the majority of people that live in that district are Democrats. So yeah, so this would have been a more nonpartisan map. The partisan registration numbers would have been one or two points from each other, which would allow people to really hone in and focus on issues. That's what I think voters in Orange County want us to do. Focus on the issues that matter. COVID recovery, homelessness and housing, climate action, the environment, sustainability, workforce development, housing. I think I said that. (laughs) Um, But people want to get away from this partisanship with a P. And I thought my map would have done that, but I didn't get a second. So here we are. Well, for those of you who just joined us, you're listening to Digging Out. My guest is Orange County Supervisor Katrina Foley, serving the Orange County current district number two. And we're focusing expressly on the redistricting underway of all of the Orange County Board of Supervisors districts in advance of what's going to be allegedly the, it's the final Orange County Board of Supervisor hearing on these maps, 1 p.m. Monday, November 22nd, the day of this broadcast. So I I guess I just want to, for context, for comparative value, California has an independent commission overseeing the redistricting process. Other municipal governments adjacent to Orange County have similar independent bodies, but Orange County Board is different. As much as you can tell us, I'd like for you to talk about the, the feel and the function of that dynamic and who is who is actually involved most immediately on those lines? Like the, like who was there putting down that the line that took Costa Mesa out of the second supervisorial district? Well, the most recent map was drawn by Supervisor Doe's office. So he's the one that did that. But what I think is problematic with the process that we have right now and this goes back to the issue of transparency. We as the county, yes. Yes, is that unlike in the independent commission hearings where I think anybody watching has seen them moving lines and showing how that impacts and going through the analysis real time so that people understand how they got to where they're going, we do not have that here. I tried to present 
memos that would lay out what our reasoning was to, to propose changes to maps. But no one else has said anything until November, this last meeting. And after all the speakers completed their uh, public comment, the chairman for the first time presented a memo. No opportunity to review it prior to the meeting, no opportunity to analyze what he was saying, to determine the veracity of what he was saying. And I just think it's it's a it's opaque in terms of the way that it's impacting the process. And I really object to how we are not sharing, we most of us, I should say, are not sharing with the public the rationale for how to, how a map was drawn, how a line was made. Most of the public comments coming in from residents or from city electeds and leaders are contrary to what we're actually going to ultimately vote on. I mean, it's overwhelming how contrary it is. So it's, it's a flawed process for sure. And I do think that in the future, a independent commission or a judge should be utilized. So I have to say, when I heard at the outset of this process that there it was mentioned, and I hear it reiterated, that county, this county sort of executive office and appointments will always tell us, the legal office and the CEO's office, that the process meets or exceeds the requirements of both the Fair Maps Act and the Voting Rights Act. And it just has a begrudging tone, meets or exceeds requirements. It's not about like we're trying to serve the public. We're, we're just trying to check a box. So I, I just want to note that data point. So um, right. and there's I, a minimum requirement and then there's a here's what's in the best interest of Orange County. Right? And it, yes. And it, that reiteration is is. It's very, I think, very, very clear. So let's go through the time frame so people can understand what's uh, what's been going on. That November 17th through the 1st, this is where the county staff has been preparing the formal ordinance. And that ordinance is the map. And it's, the, uh, uh, I mean, it's like the whole description as you've and it's posted on your website, the hearing in the second district about the, all the meets and bounds. They're going to map it all out, formalized. It was going to be formalized on the 17th, but it was not. So then December 7th, the board will consider the first reading of the redistricting map. That would be the first reading after the vote of Monday, November 22nd. The 14th, the board will consider the second reading. I guess that's a formality. The statutory deadline for the board supervisors is on December 15th to approve the maps for the June 7th 2022nd primary. That's the time frame. So you've mentioned the iterations of the maps that for C1 and the other iteration is 5A1. Those are the two that are going on. And the, how, how easy is it for anybody listening to this broadcast or the podcast to go quickly to find out what that map means? You go to just Google Orange County redistricting and that will take you to the Orange County redistricting page. And if you scroll down, you'll see where they have the PDFs of the two maps that are going to be on our agenda. You will also be able to 
review the uh, staff memo and, and see the maps. If you go to the agenda for the meeting that is to take place tomorrow at 1 p.m. And so you can see the, the today map. at the, the the broadcast is Monday. So for, okay. this is going to be Monday so if you're listening to, to the show. But uh, the, as we're recording, it's Sunday. Uh, we're talking about tomorrow. Correct. So so you'll be able to see the agenda and review the staff report and the maps on the county website under the agendas. And that will be for the meeting on Monday at 1 p.m. So what's the best way? First, people have to quickly study up if they haven't been following this the last many months. But the best way for them to prepare to make whatever case they're going to make before the board of supervisors. Well, it, I guess it depends on where you live and what your interest is. So if you live in Costa Mesa, you probably want to come and support Map 5A1 because the city of Costa Mesa voted unanimously to support uh, to oppose map 4C1. They even sent their city attorney to complain and object because it removes Costa Mesa from Newport Beach as a in, within the same supervisorial district. If you live in Irvine, you might want to support map 5A1 because it makes sure that UCI and most of Irvine is within the fifth district and not divided up unnecessarily. Uh, if you live in Newport, you might want to support Map 5A1 because in Map 4C1, Newport's divided a couple of times in these weird ways, plus you have two different representatives. So, I mean, there's just so many different reasons and how to get prepared. Just go online, look at the maps, and then send an email to the board or come down to the board meeting. The meeting starts at 1 p.m. on Monday. If you are planning to speak, you need to be there by 12.30 to fill out a card. And they will not allow any speakers um, after the item is called. So it's very important to get there before 1 p.m. to fill out a speaker card. And you'll get anywhere from 30 seconds to three minutes, depending on how many people are there. The chairman has a tendency to narrow the time down. So prepare yourself a comment that's 30 seconds long, just in case, maybe one that's one minute long and two minutes and three minutes. Uh, depending on the number of speakers, the chairman may decide that he's going to only allow 30 seconds for people to comment. So, but I'm, when I mean prepare too, is there a way that people are going to, the way in which they pitch this I don't know if there's any kind of way to prepare for, for them to be getting, commanding the attention. Uh, you know, you've told us a little bit about how the scripting and that kind of thing, but any other ways of making their case. And, and I also want to observe for listeners is that the last meeting last Tuesday, there was mainly, it was represented by many grassroots groups that were supporting the you know, the sort of demographic, the general representation, the grassroots, let's say good government, public service kinds of entities that were there. So I, I which is, was a different demographic than we've seen in the earlier months of this, since you've been serving there. So, um, right. but is there something you recommend that appeals to the 
board that says we're watching you we want you to to be transparent we i mean what what messages what themes will get their attention will sort of outline the importance of accountability in this process that does have holes in it yeah well i'm just grateful that vice chair shafee and supervisor bartlett put together a map that it creates a very large coastal district which i think will be hard for any supervisor to serve well, but at least it creates a map that reduces city splits, that takes into consideration communities of interest, unites areas that would normally be united. For example, Huntington Beach in this map is all united under one supervisorial district. Same with Costa Mesa. Um, It also takes into consideration communities of interest in South County, the Northern part of the county, and um, complies with all the Voting Rights Act and uh, California Fair Maps Act. So I'm just grateful that they were willing to put that map forward and we'll see what happens tomorrow. So leading up to tomorrow, I I do want you to take measure of the, the level of participation in this process. Admittedly, the bandwidth has been taken up by a pandemic fatigue, election fatigue, and a redistricting statewide fatigue public. And I haven't gotten into the part about the deferred, long deferred holiday celebration. So how would you gauge is uh, who, who and how people are showing up with so much bandwidth taken up by everything else? Well, I will say this until this weekend, we really weren't receiving too many emails um, regarding redistricting. We got a flurry of emails at the very beginning before the November 2nd meeting, and then we really didn't receive that much. This weekend, we've received a lot of emails. I think people woke up and realized what is happening. And unfortunately, that's just the nature of how uh, democracy works. You know, people have a tendency to wait until they realize that it's, oh, this might impact me or this might be bad for the future. And then they get engaged and sometimes it's too late. So um, hopefully it's not too late. So Supervisor Foley, what are the possibilities of a successful legal challenge occurring were, let's say, something like 4C1 map for the Orange County supervisorial districts were to be approved on Monday, November 22nd? Well, the law is clear under the California Fair Maps Act, which was, by the way, it was enacted in 2019, amended in 2020, never been tested. And uh, because we only do this every 10 years. So at the time, this was assembly member, now Attorney General Bonta's bill. And it's very clear. I've read the legislative history for the enactment. It is very clear that they were trying to prevent uh, political gerrymandering from occurring. Uh, So I do think that there is a potential for a legal challenge based on the legislative intent of the act, based on the fact that the city of Costa Mesa has never been separated from Newport Beach, based on the fact that there's been uh, no justification for making this move that would prevent a seated member from even being able to run for re-election. And that is considered to be a partisan 
favoring one partisan party move. So the question is, you know, do we want to do that? Do we want to file lawsuits? Do we want to have residents consume time in litigation? As a 25-year litigator, I know that litigation is difficult. And in this particular instance, the likelihood that this issue would be resolved before the deadline for the June primary is slim to none. And so it creates this, uh, I think, uncertainty about whether the maps would be based on the old maps or the new maps. And so my hope is that we don't have to go down that road to test the act and to test the, uh, the legal system here and that we can come up with a map that's fair, uh, allows for the voters to express their, you know, their will and vote on their candidates of choice. Well, I hope at a later interview that I'll get to raise with you the Orange County Board of Supervisor process underway, the search to fill Orange County Registrar of Voters, Neil Kelly. Can we do that in the future, Supervisor? Sure, sure. Well, we're just getting started on that. We just got notice of his retirement, which is such an, uh, oh, it's a loss for Orange County and for California. He is I think across America, actually, considered to be an excellent, fair, and effective registrar. So it's a it's a hard job, though. And, you know, we're seeing in a lot of places people retiring because it's just been a hard couple of years. Well, Supervisor Foley, I really appreciate your taking time We're recording this on a Sunday full of county business, including the latest offshore fuels bill. A wildfire alert potential coming over from Riverside. And and while you prepare for tomorrow or today, the broadcast, November 22nd, 1 p.m., Orange County Board of Supervisor final meeting on the redistricting maps. Thank you for the time today. Yes, thank you. I appreciate you um, listening and uh, hope to hear from your listeners. You can follow us on uh, social media at Supervisor Foley. And also go to our website, just Google Katrina Foley, Supervisor of Orange County, and you can sign up for our newsletter. We always try to share valuable information that's important for residents and businesses in the district. And if you have anything that you want us to amplify or share with our uh, community, please do let us know. Well, we must say uh, for listeners in the other districts to also follow their district board of supervisor. And one last pitch is for people to remember to vote down ballot. This is where it's happening. That's right. (laughs) Right there. So my guest was Orange County Board of Supervisor Katrina Foley, serving, as I said, in the current supervisor's second district, representing Fountain Valley, Huntington Beach, Cypress, La Palma, Rossmore, Costa Mesa, Newport Beach, Stanton, Buena Park, Los Alamitos, Seal Beach, and a portion of Anaheim. The focus being today on the redistricting process. Thanks again. Thank you. We'll be right back with Dinora Hernandez, UCI senior majoring in Earth System Science with the local Sunrise Movement activists who are gonna be rallying outside and inside the city council tomorrow in Irvine. That's November 23rd, and she'll talk about that. They'll be rallying about the Orange County Power Authority. Stay tuned, don't go away.
welcome back to Digging Out. And Dinora is here. She's uh, bringing this energy picture here in Irvine, which it's a big financial, big fossil fuel deal. And she's covering this in this segment. Dinora Hernandez, senior at UCI's Environmental Science Studies and Policy with a minor in political science. And she's originally from Compton. She's an organizer with the Sunrise Movement in Orange County and an elected California Assembly District Delegate representing the AD64 at the Democratic Party. She, over the last summer, had a stint at the Communities for a Better Environment. We've had them on the show over from the Wilmington area. It's quite an amazing group. That was on uh, Ask a Leader. She's the Norris, but meanwhile organized with Sunrise for a little over two years now, posting central concerns about social and environmental injustices and community empowerment. And she comes to us from Irvine. Welcome to Digging Out, Dinora Hernandez. Hi, welcome. Thank you so much for the introduction. <laughs> well, I'm so glad to have you on because this is like breaking news, people. We had today's redistricting item for today's 1 p.m. and for tomorrow's after 2.30 until whenever the business is done at the city council in Irvine. That's where Irvine's Sunrise Movement people are involved. So I would like for you, just give us a little, just a little mission, a little charter explanation of what Sunrise Movement is. It's a very national organization of young people mobilizing on climate justice, climate effective policies. Just give us a little bit of background before we get into some of the local stuff. Yeah, essentially the Sunrise Movement is a national organization and we're a youth-led movement to stop climate change and create millions of good jobs in the process. Essentially, we're building an army of young people to make climate change an urgent priority across America and the corrupting influence of fossil fuel executives on our politics and elect leaders who stand up for the health and well-being of all people. And so the part of this is figuring in is the Green New Deal, which um, I, I'm not sure what's uh, how much is it's recognizable in the Build Back Better. But are are you involved a little bit in helping people try to support those elements in the legislation here? Or is it mainly to activate the local municipal leaders to to be accountable for the local aspect of of bringing fossil fuel emissions down? Yeah, so essentially um, there are many hubs all across um, the country. Uh, for example, I organize with the Sunrise in Orange County, and so our focus is to implement Green New Deal policies in Orange County and at the local level, and if possible, when we have capacity, we like to work together and collaborate with uh, neighboring cities as well. Sometimes we collaborate with um, the Sunrise Movement Los Angeles um, and all that good stuff. So, yeah, essentially um, smaller hubs, which would be one like mine, um, we focus on policies for the Green New Deal at the local level. And I've met Sunrise activists at other kinds of environmental conferences in the region in Southern California. So could you just... You were mentioning one, but could you give us an idea of all the parties that you're coalescing with? So people hear, if they hear their organization, they think, okay, Sunrise, we're, we'll deal me in two, and we'll, I'll do hit two birds with one stone. List them all. 
Yeah, so as quickly, because there are a lot of partners, we we are working with um, CalPERG at UCI. We're very we're working in solidarity with them and other coalition members such as the Climate Action Campaign. Um, there's Wave, um, and yeah, essentially those are our main ones as of right now um, that we've been working with closely. And I guess it's one of my little quaint, earnest points about this coalescing. It gives us an intergenerational kind of opportunity I don't think you find in other places. So there's so much that can be shared with all of the, uh, in this coalescing between generations. And I, I don't know, have you already experienced that? Or is Sunrise Irvine kind of dealing with mainly students? Yeah, definitely. We, in addition, this just reminded me, we worked a lot closely with Stop the Music. Um, they're an organization um, stopping, like, building jails, and they help folks um, who are coming out of prison and things that those ways. A lot of their organizers are a lot older. A lot of, like, the outreach that we do sometimes, we are reaching out to high school students or high school graduates or uh, college freshmen. And so we also sometimes work with uh, professors at the at on campus, and so there really is this collaboration and just like a collab between all these different minds and different perspectives, and we're all working towards the same thing. So, yeah, I think what one of the uh, unique things about Sunrise is that we have all these youth come together as well as all these older folks working in solidarity with us, and I think none of our missions would be possible without all these uh, different lines coming oh, together. That's so beautifully put, That how that opportunity works. I'm so glad that you offer that. So the work you're doing in energy is one of your strategic areas of concern. So talk about, I mean, obviously it's reducing fossil fuels, but talk about the energy part of what Sunrise Irvine is doing. Yeah, so currently our big energy project, our target and concern specifically are the OCPA, which is the Orange County Power Authority. Recently, we, along with 20-plus other OC environmental faith and community groups, have signed on to letters addressing key leaders of the OC Power Authority cities. Um, and these cities include Buena Park, Fullerton, Huntington Beach, and Irvine. Um, these letters, we've been asking them to show their climate commitment by voting to opt into 100% renewable electricity for their cities. And this is because starting in 2022, the OCPA will be serving electricity, and each city gets to decide what percentage of its power comes from renewable sources. For example, if a city wants to provide families with cleaner energy than the OCPA's base plan, which, by the way, I want to highlight plans to provide the maximum amount of fossil fuel-powered electricity that they possibly can. If the city wants to provide families with cleaner energy than that, the city council has to come to a vote for it. So, so far, none of the OCPA cities have voted to offer cleaner energy to its residents. Yeah, so that's currently the overview of what we've been working on in energy and if I'm not getting too ahead of myself, like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to create a livable future for our generation and future generations yet. However, yet the city of Irvine has not voted and continues to be silent on this matter and being complicit and not fighting the climate change crisis. And as I mentioned before, OCPA is getting ready to deliver electricity and that's going to go ahead and, and happen. It's planned to launch in April. So essentially we've been working on calling 
on the city council to opt into 100% renewable energy. You know, this is just a very small step away from fossil fuels, oil spills, and pipelines, um, and a closer step to clean energy, clean water, and a breathable, livable future, um, which essentially you know, has been on halt since the Irvine City Council has yet to come to a vote on this and actually has yet to speak on this. Right. <laughs> and I'm going to get to the goal and how it diverges. I mean, the, the goal in practice with the OCP, P as in potato, but not to mix it with a OCTA, with everybody wearing masks and studios and broadcasting and all that. So before I do that, I just want to let everybody know, if you've just joined us, you're listening to Digging Out, and the debris is getting cleared, we hope, with the likes of my guest here, Dinora Hernandez. She's a UCI senior majoring Earth System Science, and she's the political engagement team lead of the local Sunrise Activist. And they're going to be rallying. That's why she's here today. They're rallying at Irvine City Hall tomorrow, November 23, meeting about what we're talking about, the Orange County Power Authority, OCPA. So as I've been interviewing other good government groups on the other show, Ask a Leader, they've made it very clear that there's leadership on the OCPA that has a kind of opportunity taking for themselves. It's sort of enriching themselves with the kinds of contracts they're letting out. With the, It's very difficult to see what they're obligating the city, but it's not hard to see that you're talking about the goals for reducing fossil fuel emissions, that the it looks like at this point the status quo has a better, a higher achieving goal than what OCPA is hinting at at this point. So is that part of what you're going to be rallying at at the city council meeting tomorrow? Yes, exactly. As you mentioned before, there are people in the OCPA who, you know, haven't been showing us that climate commitment that we essentially need um, for our future. Um, And so as we go ahead, um, our demands essentially couldn't be clearer, right? We want Irvine to give us 100% clean power um, because this is well within their reach as our elected representatives and as well as those folks on the LCPE board. So as you mentioned before, yeah, we'll be occupying Irvine City Hall this Tuesday, November 23rd at 2.30 p.m., essentially asking them um, and, and chanting to give us 100% clean power um, as OCPAs right around the corners to deliver electricity and become that climate commitment um, that we need, right? Um, essentially, as our council member, Tammy Kim, and our mayor, Farrakhan, have claimed themselves to be Green New Deal supporters, Green New Deal champions, um, we're going to go ahead and ask them to walk the talk, exactly, essentially, and give us um, the 100% renewable energy that we need for a, a livable future. Well, I just want to say your word choice of Occupy is not casually selected. There's evidence that you really know how to fill up a hall, a, a public legislative hall, and those kind, that kind of presence, it doesn't just give, it's just not invigorating, it's totally, it, it creates a... A situation where people need to, to sort of move up, stand up, and and relate to this group that's inheriting this mess, this crap show. And so all these people occupying these hallways, they're merited being given a good legacy, a better one than is we're sort of on target for right now. So that's, that's one thing, occupying. So the other, since I've been doing more and more background on 
what's going on with the Orange County Power Authority and the dynamic, the leadership dynamic of the Irvine City Council. And I don't mind mentioning that maybe every other person could open their comments with, and Vice Mayor Kim, read the packet that you were given by your staff. So there's there's a little background that she doesn't really read her packet. So how do you get... So that's a it's a pointer to me. And how are you dealing with that? Because I think people are increasingly aware about that shortcoming of her leadership. Um, yeah, essentially, we you know we feel that all council members uh, should be doing everything in their power to deliver us our demands, right? And I think as we go into city hall, we're going to definitely be commenting like you know we we've been waiting for this. We have elected you for these type of things, and we want you to show us your solidarity by by agendizing a vote, right? Because this isn't even on the agenda and doing that soon. So that be whether, you know, that be targeted at Tiny Kim, uh, the mayor, Eric Adrian, and all, all those folks that are on city, on city council, our public comments and our, our, you know, as we fill the city hall, we'll be definitely uh, targeting those things. So are you going to bring up all the council members' children? <laughs> um, Why not? Will, but just are you bringing up their children saying, we just this is a legacy for your children as well as for us. So I mean, I'm just thinking that should be a kind of a an important talking point for you all. Yes, essentially that is something that um, we are conveying through our message when we talk about a livable future. We have, you know, we this has been our first city council meeting where we've done public comment, whether you know this be a OCPA or other uh, uh, city council agenda meeting. Um, we will definitely be using that as a talk point. That is a key essential argument in our Sunrise Movement goals um, as we go forward in any action. And you'll definitely be hearing that in um, our chants and as we sit along and, and <laughs> occupy City Hall. So, yes, can you tell everybody just what you want them to do? Besides getting a hold of Kyler Tin, I'll put that in my podcast notes. Hopefully that's up before the meeting. And what they should do quickly, how to arrive, how to be prepared, and where they can get their questions answered for other stuff. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much for that. We will definitely, well, I guess we ask um, any youth or anyone in general who is concerned about climate um, to join us. Not just, you know, this Tuesday at 2.30 at Irvine City Hall, um, but as well as in any other future action that we we have. And trust me, we are working really hard on and getting those out there. Um, and we're always recruiting new members. And one of the things about Sunrise is that we are essentially, you know, everyone's a leader in our organization. So if you're worried about whether you'll have clean air or clean water to drink, uh, please uh, join the Sunrise Movement. You can go ahead and DM us on Instagram at sunrisemdmtoc, as well as sign up on our website, which is sunriseoc.org, to sign up for a, a weekly email that we will do. And, and you'll definitely be hearing from us um, besides this Tuesday at 2.30 as we occupy City Hall demanding 100% renewable energy. So I guess the closing comment, just to sort of totally personalize all this, just uh, just briefly, Denora, it must be grassroots activity organizing during a pandemic. It must feel like doing a race event with the weight chained around your ankle. Just a, just a comment about that. Yeah, definitely. It's been... Um, 
you know, we were able to adapt very quickly. We um, are experts on Slack <laughs> and Zoom and all that good stuff. And surprisingly, recruitment has been pretty steady. Um, however, we are very excited, you know, to do these in-person um, actions as well as having meetings in person. Essentially, we haven't seen the movement die. <laughs> We've been able to uh, run into many concerned folks all around Orange County and the neighboring cities that have been excited to join us. So we have a great team on our back. And yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. I, thanks for taking the time out today for being on the show. And I know you've got lots more organizing to go, to get ready for tomorrow. So um, I just want to thank you, Dinor, for, for stopping by and digging out today. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. Oh, thank you. My guest was Dinora Hernandez. And she is a UCI senior, as I said, majoring in Earth System Science, and she's the political engagement team leader for Sunrise Irvine Activist. Tomorrow is when they're rallying, starting at 2.30. They're getting together at the Irvine City Hall, and they'll meet about the Orange County Power Authority. Next week, I'm bringing three women together to level with us about the world. They navigate amidst things like last week's congressional censure of that a particular member who will not be named. Garden Grove City Council member Kim Wynn, Huntington Beach Council member Rhonda Bolton, and emerging Irvine City Council candidate, UCI professor Kathleen Trasseter. Talk with you you next week. Thank you for listening, everyone. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving show on Ask a Leader also. That's where I wish you all a good holiday. Take care. To hear how our down and fall came about